0: Hello and welcome to Mindfulness for Learning. I am Sophie Smith-Tong, founder of Mindfulness for Learning, the wellbeing centre for educators and families. You can follow the Mindfulness for Learning Twitter feed on at m learning where I will share new articles, episodes and workshops and keep you up to date on news and events. Now, it's time to introduce today's guest and she's a really special one. A person that made me feel so nervous, excited and extremely thankful all in one go. Throughout my schooling I was one of the lost ones. One of those children, you know them really well, the ones who get forgotten by the system. I wasn't academic, I didn't do well under test conditions, and I certainly didn't believe in myself. Lisa Ray came into my world when I was 12 years old. I will never forget the first time I met her. I entered a drama classroom and it had been transformed into a police station. There were evidence bags, a whiteboard filled with clues, and a teacher slash detective inspector standing at the front of the classroom updating us on a missing persons case. I was entirely amazed, absorbed, inspired by the creative approach this teacher had taken. She suddenly gave me something I could belong to. She believed in me and became an extremely important part of my development. The many proud moments in my life can be connected to her. She brought out the best in me, from enabling me to write essays confidently to performing at the Edinburgh Festival at the tender age of 16. She just got teaching. And I know that she would modestly deny it, but she is a natural when it comes to inspiring young people. When I discovered that famous footage of Ian Wright meeting his teacher as an adult, in my head, I said, that's his Lisa. I was lucky to have a Lisa. We're all lucky when we meet our Lisas in our life and it is the mission of all teachers to be a Lisa. A teacher who recognises, values and celebrates each individual they meet in the classroom. Lisa is still a driving force in my life. She was the person who encouraged me to create Mindfulness for Learning. She believes in me and I'm so lucky that at 36 I still have her in my life. So how do these special teachers do it? What is their approach? Well in this episode, Lisa and I chat about everything from how she approached teaching and ensuring she celebrated every child, to how she was able to tailor the very academic-driven curriculum to work for her. This podcast episode is informative, interesting, and revealing. So let's get to it. Here she is, teacher, creator, actor, comedian, writer, and a member of the Ukulele Orchestra of Great Britain. Welcome, Lisa Ray. Lisa, welcome. To the Mindfulness for Learning podcast. Thank I am you. so, so lucky to have you here. this is a particularly special episode for me. I actually felt a little bit emotional before we did this because <laughs> we all know how important those life changing teachers are, and here I am lucky to still be in touch with mine. So thank you so much for coming on to chat to me.
1: It's my pleasure,
0: obviously. You being a teacher that I remember, I wanted to ask you if, if you had or are in touch with anybody that you met in your life that, that kind of inspired you and changed your life. Any teachers or role models?
1: Um, I'm not in touch with them. Isn't that weird?
0: Mm. Well, uh... I think it's quite strange that I am. I, I, whenever, I <laughs> sa- whenever I say that to anybody, they're like, you're still in touch with your teacher. I'm like, Yeah.
1: Sophie, this is a really special interview for me because, um, you know, teaching you and the other young people in your group, and now you're a grown-up woman, um, was life-changing for me as well. It was fantastic. It was a a great period in my life, Mm. and uh, I'm really grateful that I still know you. That's really cool. And some of the others that, you know, were in our little gang we all kept in touch over the years we might have lost touch a bit sometimes but we seem to have found our way back which is gorgeous yeah and um yeah it's just like a real honor for me to sort of still be part of your life actually so thank you for having me on
0: oh you're so welcome um you asked
1: me about whether I remember any teachers that changed my life or had a an influence on me mm. it's probably quite I was to say there's quite a few but the one that sort of uh, jumps out at me was my old English teacher, right. um, which is brilliant because she was Welsh, so she was my Welsh English teacher.
0: Was that and at so university?
1: No, at sort of secondary school. I went to a grammar school, amazingly. I, I was amazed I got in there, but I went to a grammar school, a girls' grammar school, and uh, this little Welsh lady called Mrs Peterson, I hope she's still around. Um, yeah. she She just was so her subject knowledge was so brilliant and she really engaged with us Um and I really responded to sort of learning about sort of well reading and, and uh, the books she sort of taught us the poetry she taught us and the sort of philosophical inquiry we had about these things I loved it so we used to have quite deep lessons because I, I then went on to do A-levels with her after my O-levels that's how old I am it was O-levels and A-levels yeah Um And she she was just a wonderful person. But I think a lot of other people were quite scared of her. I I quite liked her. Oh, interesting. So
0: you had a connection with her, but not necessarily everyone. I'm not,
1: uh, yeah. I think, I don't know how how many other girls from my class would say that was their favourite teacher. But I think the thing that made a difference to me was her belief in me. Yeah. And uh, there was a period in my A levels where nobody from my family had gone to university. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't an expected thing. And I was only filling in the Ucker form as it was called back then, just because yeah. that's what we were told to do, but yeah. I wasn't expecting to get good grades and I remember saying to her, "What am I a kind of d or an e person?" and she said, "My god no you know i'll be if you don't get a b in English I'll be really upset you're really you know you're bright and yeah. you're, thank God you're in my class because you you know you're interested in the in all the Things we talk about, and you ask all the questions. So I think her just giving me that, basically giving me a letter, sort of saying you could get a B, made me go and get a B in English. She maybe she should have said I could have got an A, and I might have got an A, but I didn't mind. For me, that was like an amazing result. That's Um, so
0: interesting. You've had that relationship with that teacher, and that's as you talk. This is how I tell my story about what you gave to me. So it's almost like you learned from her and you've passed that on do you think that was something you were aware of as you were doing it
1: i don't i i think i've always remembered that her having faith and belief in me and investing mm. in me meant that i could do that for myself um so yeah maybe some subconsciously i kind of uh wanted to do that for other people um cuz i do think it's about i i do think teaching is about engaging um mm. and helping young people materialize actually be the their best selves be who they are sort of uncover all the things about them that are already there but just bring them out how do because, you do that
0: like what how is a teacher to have that positive influence on your on your students and the children what what, well, what needs to be your approach
1: i think it's the sort of level of engagement you have with them so it's first of all it's a two-way thing you know i learned lots of things from you uh, from the from the students that I was working with, and it was it was it was a dialogue. I suppose I mm. was really interested in you all, and and um, I saw lots of potential in you all, and I I was excited to be there and excited to sort of uncover things with you and yeah um, work with you all. Um, I think I suppose, you know, letting yourself it sounds a bit weird this, doesn't it, but letting yourself have relationships with yeah. pupils as more than just kind of people who are sitting an exam. Um Yeah,
0: I felt human
1: all of a yeah, sudden actually. Seeing, them, yeah. Yeah, seeing the whole person, you know, seeing every you know noticing people I think. Mm. Um and, and yeah, helping them be be who they already were. You know, So celebrating the the different things about kids that are so great.
0: Yeah. And I think actually before you came into my life at school, I had a real problem kind of making connections due to lack of confidence. And I think I managed to find a way to connect through the drama and the relationship that you allowed your students to build up. Um, And I I think the main thing was that I realised that you, you wasn't there to judge me And all of a sudden I was able to come out, come out of that. What do you think you need to have a a kind of particular approach with pupils like me? Because obviously there's some children that have already got that confidence.
1: Yeah, um, it's interesting that you say pupils like you, because I didn't see you as a pupil like you, if you know what I mean. I didn't (laughs) label you. I didn't have any. I suppose I don't I, I like to not have limitations on who someone is. I think the minute you have yeah. a limitation and decide that kid is like this and that other kid's like this. Yeah. you sort of reduce who they are rather than giving them the freedom to explore who they are. And were
0: you aware that that had been done to me? Was it was it clear to no. you that I had lack of confidence? Um
1: I thought you were I suppose I got to know you so well in the end that it's hard to remember the beginnings but I I, yeah. I guess I I might have thought you were shy or yeah. not not forthcoming and that that's always if I meet children like that I'm always a bit more intrigued about about pulling that out and giving them the space to become more confident I think yeah like I I, you know confident people are brilliant as well but I'm not sure I'm not sure there's a real thing as I think everyone's unconfident Mm. underneath people just have different ways of presenting it you know some people can just talk and seem like they believe in themselves and It's a trick they've learnt to get through life and other people are kind of quiet and are watching from the sidelines. And I suppose I tried to engage everybody and give everyone, you know, the opportunity to be heard and seen. Yeah, It's the opposite of what they used to say, isn't it? Children should be seen and not heard. I don't know, I wanted to hear from you and see you and um, hear what you had to say about things. And I think for my own, you know, for myself, I would have felt really... I would have been bored as a teacher if I was just imparting knowledge about a thing and getting you all to copy it down. Yeah. And or even preparing you for exams. That made little sense to me. For me, what was really exciting was the relationship between us all.
0: Mm.
1: That's what I think.
0: And that's probably what, motivated me because I was never an exams person I didn't do well I used to sit there I didn't kind of with my maths exam especially I would sit there and not write an answer down so the idea that a teacher would value my contributions away from exam settings was really lovely it was just so refreshing and exciting and kind of made me I guess see my strengths which was really fascinating to go through. But I always imagined that you were so aware of what you were doing, which is so interesting. To it's the first time I, we've spoken about this, which is yeah. really interesting. That it I always might thought... be... Well, I mean,
1: it. I think it's my instincts to do that. Mm. So it's a human instinct to want to connect with people. Yeah. Um. I always wanted to... I found connecting with people quite difficult. It's funny just yeah. you hearing you say about the maths exam because it's just reminded me of what happened in my O-level maths. Yeah. This is not... Um, Maybe this is not good to own up to but I felt Do so it. rubbish in maths. Mm. Um we had a teacher who probably taught she was really bright and she just taught to the kind of kids who understood it and I think she didn't quite know how to reach me on the back row and a couple of others. Yeah. And so mainly I wrote poetry in maths on the back of my exercise book. Um and then in the exam I'd I I drew a picture of um Eddie Grant who is a sort of reggae artist and handed <laughs> that in and for my other maths exam i think i i handed in a story yeah and that's i i know that's that's me being a bit defensive and not trying and um i just thought what's the point you know she doesn't really see who i am yeah i'll tell you what happened one time she came to see a school play this maths teacher i won't mm. name her because i'm not shaming her in any way i know it's a hard job she came to see a school play and she sort of couldn't believe that I was the same kid yeah. in that play that she'd been teaching that, you know, for years she'd just she'd just written on my report, could do better, could yeah. do better. And I don't even think she knew who I was. And then she saw me in another context and was like, oh, my God, that's Lisa who comes last every year in maths. So it was basically me and two other girls that we we used to fight for not being last and being kind of second to last. But we were always... But but having failed maths, um, and knowing that, you know, in this world you've gotta you've gotta have a maths O level or G C S E to go on to do other things at university or whatever. Mm. I then had to resit it and so I did my usual trick of going I went to sixth form, I was doing drama and English and stuff like that as A levels, but I had to do this resit maths O level group and I just defaulted to my old thing which was I know how to make people laugh. <laughs> So I was just doing impressions of people all the time and basically (laughs) pissing about. And of course, I was making people laugh and being an idiot. And then one day, that teacher, who wasn't the same as my original maths teacher, said, can I see you, please, after lesson? And I thought, oh, my God, I'm so embarrassed. I'm a sixth former and I'm being kept behind. And um, she just said to me, you can't do this. And I said, what? She said, I know what you're doing. You're mucking around and you're you're not taking yourself seriously. And I said I'm sorry. And she said, "No, I I think you can pass this exam, Lisa. You can pass your maths O level." And mm. I went, "Can I?" She went, "Absolutely. You yeah. can do it." And she said, "But you've got to let other people be in this class and pass as well. You know, I kn- you're hiding." Yeah. And and honestly. It, it, was, it was life-changing advice, someone saying, you can do this. And yeah. I passed it. I passed my wow. maths O level.
0: I couldn't believe it. And, and, and again, that's kind of mirroring kind of my experiences as well, because at 26, I wanted to become a teacher but couldn't yeah. because I had yeah. an E in maths. And, you know, my partner said to me, you can do this. He's he's very strong in maths. Mm -hmm. Just saying those words, you can do this. And I was like, I can't. I I can't do it. I've seen the content. He was like, you absolutely can. (laughs) And I studied for six months and I got an A. And I could not understand how I'd always said, well, I'm just bad at maths. I just can't do it. I just... I just can't and not to say that I don't struggle with it even even when I'm teaching it I have to have days before to get my head around sure um, teaching it to the children to make sure that I'm really kind of feeling confident about it but yeah, to think to for someone to say to me, you can do this. It's it kind of is it is life changing. It is, and it just it, I suppose it illustrates
1: um, how, how you, your mindset, your confidence, in your sort of belief in yourself, or how you see yourself, how much that affects everything we do in life. Mm. It's massive. So if we don't give children confidence about their own powers of questioning things, if we don't value what kids are saying, yeah, or the questions they're asking, um. I think it's detrimental to to their success in life. Actually, yeah, so we've got a, we've got a duty to that. And I think there was an old idea that learning was about just there was an expert at the front of the classroom, and they knew lots of stuff, and they were just going to tell you all that stuff, mm. and you were going to try and remember that stuff, and then pass an exam. And I just never saw it like that. I suppose because um, I was teaching drama, it was a different kind of subject. Yeah. Where you're asking lots of questions and you're and you actually need to rely on um, people's experience, personal experience, and I mean, response, people's response to things, their their emotional response mm. to what you're kind of the plays or the ideas that you're looking at together.
0: Yeah, I th- I think that education now has definitely... I, I mean, in drama, it might still be the same because, like you say, it requires that emotional response. Mm. But a lot of my experiences in teaching and seeing people teach and just teaching it myself, it ha- it's moving back towards that teacher at the front of the classroom, although there are teachers who are confident enough to kind of try and navigate that. It yeah. co- it, we've got so many people we need to kind of prove that we're doing our job to. yeah that a lot of it is imparting knowledge and then getting them to summarise it or... Yeah, which is not... It's the the, the whole... That's not the point of
1: learning. You no. Know? It's not the lessons we remember either. No. We don't, re- we don't remember lessons where um, you've remembered a load of facts. What you remember are sort of small triumphs that you have in understanding a concept or yeah. you remember a way a teacher ma- made something come to life for you and explained it in a way you'd never thought of before and it's really stuck in your head. Yeah. I was thinking that. The other day when I was out for a walk with an old colleague of mine, I was just thinking about uh, things I remember with kind of a primary school teacher deciding to take us all on the bus down to the woods, basically, do bark rubbing and look at trees and just be out in nature. And uh, it was maybe before the days where you needed to sign millions of forms saying, I'm taking your child (laughs) out of school. It was just like he just went, come on, we're all going on the bus. I know it's changed and it has to, but it was... I remembered it really well and I and I sort of still remember I can still you know tell a sycamore from an elm yeah you know, because and it's stuck with
0: you <laughs> yeah. yeah that's amazing yeah but why do you like I, I guess English and maths take up so much of a teacher's timetable now yeah and despite all of our efforts to push the creative subjects they 're still not recognized in the same way as English and maths. Why do no. you think that that is such a struggle for kind of the people at the top to realize the importance or to have faith and just put it in there as much as English and maths i think
1: we're uh maybe the sort of people who who run things mm. <laughs> I don't know, name anyone, but uh, <laughs> I think people who run things seem to be overly obsessed with measuring, mm. and it's almost like um i don't know they 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 it's it's important to them to kind of have i think it's quite frightening for them to sort of think of education as being um helping a child emerge in 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 emotionally mentally spiritually physically they don't see it like that that's too hippie and airy-fairy yeah instead they go i want this i want to know what 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 level this person's at mm. and i think the problem with measuring it's it's is the system of measuring means that you measure everybody in the same way and i don't think that works because i think we're all really unique. Yeah. Um and i find the thing about that's why drama i think was i think that's why drama was taken off the curriculum actually because it was taken off the curriculum at some point. Mm. And it, you know it's there if, if schools want it some people do it some people don't but i think it's nobody could un- could decide what it was. Yeah. It was not measurable in in a way that the Men who are in charge wanted it measured, yeah. Um, so it was too strange. Um, yeah. but what I always say is it, interesting, interestingly, on um, a prospectus, you'll, you'll normally have on the front, you know, drama, uh, you know, a, a production, a photograph of a production of a play or something because mm-hmm. these are the things that, that they use to sell the school to say, Look, yeah. what we do with our children, we're creative.
0: It's one of my biggest frustrations, I think, the yeah. amount of talk that goes on about creative subjects, the amount of talk that goes on about well-being, it's used to sell schools and then when the children yeah. are in the school, I'm not seeing it happening and no. it's, the parents, I think, have been quite shocked having homeschooled their children and seeing the content that they're learning. I yeah. think it surprised a lot of parents because they thought that that's, you know, that they were doing a really rounded timetable and they're not. Yeah. No. Um, So that's kind of one of the biggest challenges I think we face as a teacher.
1: It's massively challenging. I'm just remembering back to our school. You know, um, I think that it can often, you know, people think that creative subjects can just kind of fit in wherever. Like, Mm. for instance, you know, often drama is taught in a hall. And by by exam time, drama is then chucked out of that hall (laughs) so that the desks can be put in. And I don't know if you remember this, Sophie, but there were plans to build a drama studio at the school i taught at that you went to yes and um they drew up the plans and i just remember thinking how can i stop them taking this space away from my students at crucial times um and so i insisted that whatever it looked like it must have a sprung floor (laughs) yeah i remember
0: the sprung floor
1: yeah and i said and they said but we're going to do concrete because it's just a floor and i said and i I argued and said no it's got to be a specialist floor yeah. you know for dance and drama or what whoever wanted to do stuff in it and I knew that if it was a specialist floor they wouldn't fill it with desks right. and I didn't and the other trick remember my other trick was they gave me an old science lab on on the lo- in the lower school to teach drama to lower lower school kids so year seven and eight and was this
0: the one we painted
1: black yeah and i invited you i said is anyone free in the easter holidays and a few of you said yeah we'll come in i said we're going to paint the whole room black because i just never wanted them to take it off me and i knew they wouldn't give it to re or that's history. amazing
0: i never knew that was yeah, the well was obviously i tr- knew it's
1: for drama but i didn't know that
0: was the reason i was making
1: happened. it you know i was vandalizing it so that we kept it forever yeah and we did And it was a nice room. It was nice-ish anyway.
0: So you had your own ways of dealing with those, the the big challenges you faced battling the system.
1: I was really, you know, I kind of came into teaching, (coughs) excuse me, I came into teaching, um, I was 30 when I came into teaching. So I'd done other stuff before and I always, it makes me wonder how it must be to be a 23-year-old coming into teaching because there must be amazing 23-year-olds, I know, but you're still... Sort of developing
0: yourself. At yeah, that age. definitely.
1: So, um, I think I was a bit, a bit more kind of, of a, a, fighter.
0: Yeah. No, so you were much more confident at that age to kind of. I, I definitely feel that now in my teaching now that I'm older I kind of look back on myself and I and I really anyone that came in to judge me I just thought they have every right to judge what I'm doing and change what I'm Mm -hmm. doing whereas now I feel very confident although I will listen to specialists and experts and people who give me advice and other teachers yeah I'm more confident to say thank you for the advice but I'm going to stick with how I'm doing it yeah um brilliant I'm so
1: proud of you for doing that because I think you've got to be confident in what you're bringing to teaching Mm. like I don't think it's good enough just to like the subject no I think you've got to be interested in the development of children
0: definitely I think quite often you're like you know like you said about battling kind of making your own decisions and doing mm. things to protect that area I feel like I spend a lot of my my time in teaching doing that you know the other day I think something came up where they were like well don't do art that day we'll do just and I said well can we not do maths that day and they said, oh no you've got to do maths and I said but we get art once a week mm. we get maths five times a week so cancel the yeah. maths session and we're doing the art no we're going to cancel art and I said well I'm not <laughs> I'm not cancelling <laughs> art because I haven't had children come up to me all day I'm so excited about art this afternoon you know and to I take taught that you away... so well <laughs> yeah, <Sophie>. you did. <laughs> brilliant you did. yeah That's... I just love that. That's great. Well, that's yeah, like the, to, that's the best moments, isn't it, in teaching? Yeah, moments. you've got to
1: fight your corner, and also kids kids see that you're fighting your corner for them. Mm. Um, I don't I don't think I was at, at war with any. I don't, I don't think I was kind of at war with the other people in the school. I mean, what they got in return was I was you know always in first, and I worked really hard and, and probably stayed after school most nights working on productions we did about at least three a year yeah and then all the other little things we did and the other thing I like to do I think that I think is helpful for kids is to give them confidence Is almost gives them you know I remember sort of annoying one of the uh, stage mothers who who was used to make costumes before I got there Mm. and when I arrived she said I'm the person who does all the costumes and I said oh wonderful but i'm gonna I'm gonna slightly change things now, so we have a costume department run by students and <laughs> um, and also you know i might not I might not always do plays on the stage um, I might do you know in more interesting spaces like promenade spaces or a traverse space or something or do stuff outside and she looked horrified because I was coming in and changing <laughs> things. I had to just stand by my guns and go it's not about whether you sewing 50 munchkin costumes because a i'm gonna i'm probably not going to be doing plays like that yeah i i want kids to to be have a title that you know i I want somebody in year eight to say you know I, i've costume designed this yeah for the drama department and i had like you know producers and managers and yeah. people who would even sort of people who might take a small group of i'd get my sixth formers to to look after the younger uh, children and rehearse them in a scene, and then we'd all get together. And you know, I like to involve everyone as much as possible in the decision making. Yeah, it felt then, like, like
0: ours then, didn't it? We yeah. it belonged to us, and also uh, gives you an idea of what jobs are out there. Because I remember exactly. me and Michaela, another person in our cohort, was. We're, we're making eyes for King Lear and kind of injecting <laughs> red food dye into eggs mm. and you know just coming up with ideas of how we can kind of problem solve their costumes and props and things yeah and brilliant. um was it King Lear yeah it was King Lear wasn't it yeah King Lear with the eyes that was yeah. um, uh, I had such
1: a brilliant team as well like it was just me to start with when I got to the school mm. um it was I got told that the drama the head of drama had left but there would be another one by the time I joined us and I joined as an NQT even though I was I was 30 yeah and uh there was no one there I and mean, there were no schemes of work wow. so pretty much on my I I very quickly had to write schemes of work for the whole school put a production on uh and after a year it became clear I needed more in my team and I got two brilliant people and who were you you know one of them who taught A level with me you, you know who you know very well yeah Gavin uh, yeah who's great and amazing and imaginative and Caroline who was so brilliant with um, all students but with with especially with younger students and students who struggled I just felt she had a real kind of connection with them and so we all just had skills that kind of together I thought we had a golden team of yeah. people. It was a moment was, in time, wasn't it? It was great, yeah. It was mm. brilliant. Yeah. Such a great time. And you lot, you know, I mean, I met you when you were 12. Yeah. And now you're, I don't know if you want to say how 36. old you are. 36. 36 now. <laughs> That's so lovely. I've still got photos of you in drama lessons that, yeah. you know, that I took.
0: I'll have to put some up on the website for everyone <laughs> yeah, please. to see. Yeah, I will. Please. I'll definitely share some. Um, thinking about the kind of the, the golden era yeah of um of schooling why why did you leave the profession
1: okay this is going to sound really weird but (laughs) when I joined first of all I think that I never I have always thought I'm a person who doesn't stick at anything right but I do like challenges so yeah that was me being a bit wishy washy and not taking myself seriously when I came into teaching um before that I'd been trying to be an actor for years and doing a load of different stuff directing things maybe doing a bit of lighting and um, and I'd worked with some youth theatre, yeah. And that was by far the most interesting thing I'd done actually. And so I remembered that. And then later on, when I started thinking, maybe I should do have a proper job now, not try and be this arty person. Um, but I still want to, you know, still want to be creative. I thought I want to be a teacher, mm. and I'm going to go and train at a place that I think is really good, which was Breton Hall, and it was really good. oh
0: yeah, yeah.
1: And so I, I, I told myself when I was starting teaching, I said. I'm gonna do this for five years and it's going to be my national service. Right. I see it as my national service. Yeah. Which sounds a bit rubbish like I wasn't taking it seriously but I just thought, you know, I'm gonna put everything I have into this job. Yeah. And, and I did. And I did stay for five years, I think. And um, it, I think I was, I think a few things happened. I was exhausted because it is a really tiring profession and yeah. I think you're always swimming slightly against the system if yeah. you're trying to allow children to grow in ways that, that the exam system doesn't let them do. So for me, it wasn't just about measuring them and getting them to pass exams. Although I have to say, my, me and my team, our, our methods of kind of engaging with kids did mean that, and I was really proud of this, <laughs> yeah. we, got, we got the highest A-level Grades in the entire borough, and that was wow. against all the all of the drama schools.
0: That's amazing. So, I, I was so, never aware of that. Yeah,
1: we did amazingly well. We had, mm. and I think it's because we just were on this fantastic learning journey together, and so everyone was so invested. They just all did brilliantly. Yeah. Um, but by the end of five years, I was feeling really tired. I think that was the first thing. I was really feeling tired, and I never wanted to get to the point where I stayed in a job because it was comfortable, mm. and i could see more of this measuring thing coming in as well in the profession i think it was the beginning of that thing called is it called advanced skills teaching yeah i left in 2001 did i i think or something like that that was starting to come in where you had to prove that you were an amazing teacher and provide evidence and i thought i'm not interested in this i don't have time and you know and i think a couple of people at school had said you know you're senior management material and you could move up and do this and it was discussed at one point I could go for sort of not head of I don't know if it was head of area or something but it was anyway it was more promotions that and I went to the head and said um I'm really exhausted (laughs) I wonder if you would let me work four days a week instead of five and he looked horrified (laughs) and I said I want to give all my management points to the people I work with I want to share them out. I don't want them. I, I understand I'll be stepping down, but I'll still do the same job for you. I'll still steer the ship, but I want to pay. I want you to share out my points so that everybody is valued in the department. Right. And he just said, He said, absolutely not. Wow. That could never happen. It's too unconventional. <laughs> so he ended up not rewarding one of the people, which I'm really annoyed about who should have got something and then the other person did get an extra point but they were doing a different you know slightly more work and he said to me you can keep some of your management points because I don't want you to go yeah and I think what happened is in that in that day off I had a week I started to look out so I wanted to feel creative myself again as well yeah and I could see my feel myself being ground down Slightly, I don't want to be down on teaching because, by the way, I think it's the most important job in the world,
0: yeah. But it's very difficult to maintain that creativity, yeah. Like Mm. you say, when you're swimming against the tide, you do get tired, yeah. Mm.
1: So, you, you, I think people get burnout, I think that's quite
0: you know, that
1: happens to people. And I think I wanted to go before I had burnout and I started to dislike schools and didn't want to start phoning it in, I wanted to Mm. be as dynamic as I always was. And I thought, if I'm not That dynamic—it's time to go.
0: Yeah, I think that happens to so many people in the profession because you do want to do a good job, and the moment you feel that you can't give anymore, you know, you have a choice, don't you, to continue and not do the job that you want to be doing. That's right. Yeah. Or
1: you, or you can use—I mean, what I felt happened is teaching never really leaves you. Yeah. And I just felt maybe I could take some of the things that I'd learned into other areas. Yeah. So I think for a while afterwards, when I was on my day off, I started to be to slightly connect with theatre companies and back with my theatre world I suppose and I did a couple of uh outreach things we well, did for... Company of Angels didn't yeah, you yeah worked with Company of Angels mm. um and yeah exactly Sophie because so did you I yeah. pulled you into that project so it was that an was... education
0: based project which it is was. probably my the first time that I realized that I wanted to become a teacher that's so um, brilliant yeah so th- that was great we worked with the year six class um Indeed. aiding transition from year six yeah. to year seven yeah which was yeah so was that the first job after teaching that you went to or was there I, a couple I of things before so. that i think so
1: mm. i think that was i mean i was kind of suddenly i was like self-employed which means you're terrified and you're having to sort of do all sorts of different things but why that came about this is um a company called company of angels who um made th- exciting theater for young people mm. and um one of the, the it was in it and the artistic director was John Ritalic and his wife, um Nina was I, I became friends with her and yeah. she was a teacher too. And we just began talking and I'd I'd said that I was really, really um interested in I suppose I noticed that in year six, when kids get to year six, they're at the top of their game almost, you know. Yeah. They've got to the end of their primary journey. And they just, it, they have this confidence, this brilliant confidence. Well, they did back in the day. I don't know if they still do because I yeah. haven't been to a school yeah. lately. But they, it's like they feel real ownership of the school and uh, who, they, who they are. And then they go to then they go to secondary school and they kind of disappear. They're nothing yeah. because they're not an exam group. So by the time they get to year seven, they're a little bit kind of overlooked for a while. Yeah, and starting become, all over again, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, starting all over. And I thought... There's no, why should that happen? There's this gap, this transition gap, which needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. And I also thought the same happens with having worked with you lot, people getting to A level and also being at the top of their game and just being gorgeous and invested in the subject. Yeah. And then they take a big leap and then they go to university where maybe in the first year they're not that important again. So I saw these two possibilities of these kind of gaps that were there and i thought well if you put those two age groups together and so we took nina and i talked about this and decided to make a project called the gap project yeah where we we got some people who were on a gap year or were at the end of their a levels which was me which was you (laughs) and i grabbed you to do that and then we trained them um i can't remember how long we had but we got all sorts of artists to come in and work with you and we devised a piece together didn't we yeah that we would then we would what we did is we decided we were going to make a piece of work and we would attach ourselves to a primary school yeah and we would spend a long time with those year sixes who their last six weeks i think it was their last six weeks of yeah. school and I think not a lot happens. Am I right in saying not a lot happens in the last six weeks? Yes, yeah. it's, it's all the tests have been done. The and, tests have mm. been done, and they're sort of waiting. And we thought we'd try and sort of engage them in some way. So, I did some projects with with. Um, did you do two of them or one of them? I did one of them. You did yeah. one of them. That's right. Because it went on to, sort of, we went on to work in loads of schools. And actually, the school we worked in. Didn't you then do your teacher training in that?
0: Yeah, school, so when right. I decided to become a teacher, I mean, it was a, it was how many years later? I'm thinking maybe six years later, I mm-hmm. decided to become a teacher. I contacted that school, yeah, and I did. Um, I worked every... oh Well, I volunteered every Monday just to get teaching experience, and then I applied for a place at the IOE, so... Wow. Yeah. And it was a great school because it was really creative. It was great, and, yeah.
1: You know, I remember we had this... We worked with um, an artist, and we made... I don't know if it was that project with you or the next one, but we... <laughs> They wanted to have an idea about, um, they wanted, the kids wanted the audience, which was all their parents basically, yeah. to, to feel like they, they were kind of, they were in the womb and then they were going oh, to wow. be born. So they, so 60 kids made um, sort of plaster casts of their face. And they covered an entire room and I think lit it in red. So you, would, you were in this kind That's of room. And then we recorded them all making sort of, well, humming and singing, basically. So all the yeah. parents had to stay in this room. And then, brilliantly, this kind of artist sculpture, uh, s- sculptor lady made a pair of giant arms, which were about 20 feet long. Um, and they were hanging from... The, so when the parents came out of that womb room, <laughs> these arms were <laughs> hanging from the ceiling as if they were kind of birthing them. That is incredible. <laughs> and there was, it was great because one And this arm, is year six? Yeah, this is year six. With oh, the six wow. formers like you that we were working with. So yeah. one, one of the arms had a tattoo saying Dad and one of the arms had a tattoo saying Mum. <laughs> that is incredible. Um, and it yeah, it, lots of other stuff happened, but yeah it's it so amazing just, what
0: they're capable of when you kind so of allow brilliant. them to be to be free I, I mean I, I my class last week for world book day we were a little bit late because we waited for everyone to come back mm. but I just said to them I want you to pick your favorite book and I've, I've brought in so much junk and materials and just said <laughs> make your own puppet show and wow. first of all they were shocked that I let them choose their groups yeah. Are you are going to let us choose? And the second thing was, well, well, what do you want it to look like? And I said, well, what do you want it to look like? You can decide. Make the puppets yeah. how you want, use what you want. And it's amazing what they come up with when they're kind of forced to think for themselves and collaborate together. They really can do it. But they think- really can. But, you know, that that, that makes me think, Sophie, that it, it,
1: the reason why kids go, what do you want me to do? Mm. is Because they're not asked enough Yeah. what
0: they think. It was shocking for them to it, think they had the freedom.
1: Well, they're frightened of you know they're they're sort of frightened of getting it wrong yeah. kids are frightened of getting things wrong and school is all about or or the bad side of education for me mm. is about you know there is a way of getting it right yeah and instead of like learning in a collaborative way or learning in a cross curricular way yeah. so primary sc- primary school does cross curricular stuff really well and i always mm. think it's a shame that secondary don't because if you just said i don't know we're doing we're going to look at leonardo da vinci then within that you can do maths and art and literature and it is very separate secondary yeah it it shouldn't be and so Mm -hmm. everybody gets separated out and Mm -hmm. you're a little bit more like a machine yeah um still i still needed everybody to be able to write essays and i I needed to teach people how they might express some of the their their ideas absolutely in, in, in writing but i'm just thinking back to a kid that i used to have yeah nathan remember nathan yeah bless him he was brilliant and he was an extrovert and he was gorgeous and he was good at acting and all that stuff but it got to and this was um gcse level it got to him having to write an essay and he couldn't he just couldn't And i thought it's not fair that someone like you doesn't get an a because you're so instinctive about so many things and so talented so i said to him i'm gonna have to do an interview with you then um which is kind of like when you—it's the same as giving kids um, a framing, uh, some framing questions so they can write an essay. But yeah. he loved it because it was kind of an interview with the tape recorder, and um, you know, I—I I just said to, it was like he was on Parkinson, and I basically said, uh, what, "What gave you the idea to kind of approach the character like that, Nathan?" And he was just brilliant at talking about it, and then I gave him the tape or whatever it was, CD, and said. Go write down what you've said, because you said it, Uh. your words and that's how he did his essay. That's for, amazing. For but he wouldn't have been able to
0: sit in an exam because he would have gone Yeah. I don't like the question and I don't know what to say and Well, it's also that thing again of whenever I was in an exam, it was I wanted to write what they wanted to hear, but because I couldn't yeah. ask them what they wanted to hear. Yeah. It, it was it's that thing again, isn't it, of, of not wanting to write something that, that they don't want. Well, it's the yeah, it's, there's there's
1: a I think there's a massive fear of failure mm. with with kids that actually stops them progressing in any way because failures quite can be quite useful yeah definitely getting getting stuff wrong can be quite useful and i think any great inventor has not just come up with that idea that day they've just made millions of mistakes before they've got to the thing that was finally the eureka moment you know Yeah. and um i just remember i think i'd gone away to do maybe it was when i had my one day off a week from teaching yeah i'd gone away to work with a clown called angela de castro wow and um, that sounds so weird, doesn't it? That? But anyway, <laughs> I had. I mean, she was working with a load of teachers, and one of the things she was talking about is celebrating failure. Yeah. And I went back to school, and I decided that you know we had we had a merit system. You got mer- you, you could you were allowed to give kids merits for being good and doing good stuff mm. and all that. And I just thought I'm just going to mess about with this a bit. So I went in and said. Um, Okay, I'm going to I'm just going to change the merit system um for a bit. Um they uh, you know and then I said I'm I'm going to give you merits for really terrible ideas. Yeah. Um really bad work. Um I'm going to give you mer- merits for failing. Then they were all <laughs> you know it's like a year 8 class or something. Wow. They were all like, "What?" Um but also kind of laughing and I was smiling and and I think it just gave them the permission yeah. to... I said, actually, today I want to see the worst work you've ever made. <laughs> I said, that's what I want you to make. When I ask you to, to go and work on a scene or do some research, I want it to be the most appalling thing. Yeah. And, of course, of course everything they made was fantastic because we had this joy of going, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I'm not a bad person if I get this wrong. It's okay to make a mistake. And actually, some of the best genius stuff comes out of making mistakes. Yeah, so.
0: and I think I only realised that at twenty six, when I went <laughs> to study to be a teacher. That's when I realised that I think a lot fell into place for me when I became when I was training to be a teacher because I was learning how people learn, and I thought, oh, that's why school was like that for me then, and. I kind yeah. of realised that, oh, I can celebrate my failures because there mm-hmm. are many and, I'm a, and I kind of became comfortable with them and thought about them in a positive way. But I don't think I did that until I was 26. Well, it's just... I mean, that's... um. A lot of people don't realise
1: that until they're seventy-six. so... Yeah. so, <laughs> so you know. I did all right. But I just mean, you know, who says it's failure anyway? Yeah, why isn't it? Why isn't it just it's just an exploration, idea or, isn't it? Why isn't it a, a level of, in, you know, uh, it's just an avenue of inquiry you've taken. It's just a, a detour you've gone on, which might yield something really fantastic, and often does. Yeah, I think, you know, children don't criticise the way they play, do they? They just play and get on with something they just play and engage yeah. and from that they learn loads of stuff they're not going oh my doll shouldn't move in that way I'm gonna have to do yeah. that again that's wrong <laughs> yeah, so they true. just instinctively embrace and play and I think that yeah in a subject like drama or anything creative that I mean it's not just drama you can teach every subject creatively in my mm. opinion
0: yeah absolutely and you can be
1: playful with every subject mm. and the more playful the better because I think when people are having a good time and a feel joyful then stuff happens, you know, we don't all need to be miserable and not able to keep up. I couldn't even keep up with dictation. My school that I went to as a as a kid was often the teacher would just dictate for half an hour and you'd yeah. have to you know <clears throat> I remember she leaned over and said, It's it's umbilical cord Lisa, not
0: umbilical <laughs> <clears throat>
1: when we were doing biology.
0: <laughs> well I mean it's boring inspired. to teach like that. I have I have taught mm. like that sometimes if I'm if I've been given something that I really don't want to teach and yeah. I've kind of got to tick that box. I you know I think how are you not bored or you probably are bored because I am bored teaching it. So you've got to that's why it's so exhausting teaching because you really do have to think about ways that you can make the content more accessible. Yeah. So um I mean obviously you've got three daughters at home now. Yeah, and three
1: stepdaughters. So
0: they are teen- all teenagers? Yeah. Um, 13... And 13, 16, and 18. Wow. So they're all right in the midst of all what we've been talking about. How yeah. are they finding kind of education and how has it challenged your perception of education,
1: if it well, has at all? It's, it, they're all such different people, as they would, as they would be. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting because they go to a school that reminds me a bit of the school I went to. But uh, it, right. it, it seems it's it's got an emphasis on its results and right. it likes its bright students. Even though it uh, accepts a percentage of students that are kind of below average, whatever that means. Yeah. Um. It's the emphasis is on passing the exams and stuff and doing well and getting A's because that's what they want to put on their league table. It's all about league tables now. Yeah. Um. So actually, for two of them, I would say it doesn't really serve them very well by the sounds of it they struggle a bit more to feel valued right and that's a real shame yeah um one of them um ended up not being able to stay on at sixth form as she wanted to because they didn't they just couldn't accommodate her even though she'd passed enough they they sort of talked her out of it you know and um, her mum ended up uh, getting getting her onto an apprenticeship she's now working with um, sort of nursery age children and she's brilliant at it yeah she's so brilliant she's got such an affinity with young with, with babies and toddlers and young children that's amazing five, that she's she's now you know earning money yeah. training and she'll get some qualifications um, the middle kid is much more suited to academic work she's kind of bookish and yeah will disappear off into a room watching french films and looking at stuff at the tate and yeah you know she she's she's okay she's coping well with that system but it doesn't i think a school's got to teach all children not just some children yeah
0: i quite often say this to parents who say well my children are all right they don't mind it and i think well that's Um, that's brilliant yeah but there are many that aren't this is the problem we can't just think about our own children because actually my eldest is quite happy with although I've picked a school that is kind of more into kind of well-being and the creative side, yeah. they still have the same academic pressures. Um, but he's taken it to it quite well and he's he's okay. But that doesn't mean I, I don't want change no, for the whole system. Yeah, No, every, because
1: actually if we don't make, if we don't try and get everybody who goes into that school to kind of leave thinking they've got something to offer then Mm. that's the society we inherit exactly people not Mm. feeling very good about themselves and yeah all of our children have got to grow up in that society so we really that's why i say teaching is the most important job i mean it's you know i know parents are are important obviously but Mm. kids spend so much time at school it has to be a healthy environment for them
0: yeah yeah definitely
1: so yeah a lot of struggled you know with lockdown and I think it was very, it's very hard if you're not an independent learner to just be looking at a screen and and being sent millions of worksheets to complete. I think it's horrible. Kids need to interact, they need to talk to their friends, they need to muck around in the break times, that's just as important as what they're doing in the lessons. They need to play, they need to learn how to negotiate relationships with their friends Mm. and how to, you know, they fall out and they need to work out how to become friends again. Yeah important
0: Yeah, definitely. And you are you in the pandemic. You found yourself back in teaching, but you're teaching ukulele and you're doing some performance coaching. So what, what yeah. do you think's like kind of how have you ended up back in it? Okay, well, so you said you never really left. Yeah, it never leaves you. Yeah, I think. You yeah. Never, it's always there.
1: I mean, teaching is what I mean. Um, so what happened is for me after I left teaching, I went back into sort of I found my way back into theatre via some via comedy and did a bit of performing for a few years. And then purely by chance because i i've always played guitar and then i started playing ukulele um i i just i ended up being a member of the ukulele orchestra of great britain which is this successful band that goes around the world in big concert venues and and plays all the time they're so
0: amazing and Lisa's got lots of videos on your website (laughs) which I've been watching and enjoying they're brilliant i watched the one um, of heroes in New York oh it's uh, so lovely yeah so yeah that that's been a brilliant adventure I've been sort of doing
1: that for 14 years and it's become more and more full-time and now it's you know in the last 10 years definitely the full-time job yeah Um, so having you know in in a way I joined I don't know. I joined a sort of that was a proper job that I'd done for a long time, and then suddenly, kind of, lockdown closed us down completely. You know, theatres closed overnight. We were told no gigs, yeah, nothing's happening. And everyone's sort of, you know, if there's no gigs, there's no money. So we all lost our jobs overnight, basically, yeah, the pandemic. And I just really, I'd, I'd only just bought a flat. Um, wow about a year year before then so i was just like oh my god i'm gonna lose my house you know um and so i sort of sat around thinking what can i do what can i do and i thought well i could teach i mean yeah. i don't see myself as a music teacher at all um because i don't come you know i'm self-taught musician really and i sort of play by ear most of the time is that so how
0: you've learned all the instruments that you play you've self-taught yeah, that's incredible. Yeah,
1: it was a hobby. It was always yeah. a hobby, but I, it was something I liked, you know. And yeah. I would get together with my mates and go, "Hey, let's be in a band," you know. Yeah. Um. So I thought, I you know, maybe I could teach. I mean, I wonder if people would like to to learn online. And I thought, well, we're not touring, so I'm sure some some of those fans of the Ukulele Orchestra of Great Britain might fancy doing something in the lockdown. Yeah. Suddenly had you know, you know a couple of students. Then it was more and more. And then I had my regular people, and I've been seeing some regular people. I suppose what I should say is it's on Zoom.
0: Mm. And I'd never
1: used Zoom before, but if it if the pandemic hadn't happened and I was teaching, I would be maybe just, uh, I would be slightly limited by just having students in London that I had to travel to or that had to travel to me. But yeah. what's happened is I've got people from all over the world it's really opened
0: everything up hasn't yeah. it it's made so it so much more accessible yeah, so it's
1: been brilliant and this, I've kind of in a way applied the same attitude that I always had as a teacher of drama to sort of teaching the uke you know I yeah. want to make people feel that they can have a go at it that they don't need to do it in a particular way that there are no rules as such and that it's about uncovering what they already can do and then making that better yeah and, but but I think the big thing is that I've been really engaging with people online you so know.
0: important in the pandemic especially with music as well because it yeah. can be so therapeutic
1: yeah I would say that what comes what's come out of the teaching for me is how much people need to connect with somebody once a week yeah. that they're having fun with and that they're doing we happen to be playing ukulele yeah but we end up talking about all kinds of things yeah about their life and stuff and one person has started writing songs and you know I'm just I'm really pleased with them I know it's really nice to sort of to be talking to different types of people from all over the the globe really
0: so there you are back inspiring others Lisa another (laughs) more more people more generations
1: well they inspire me as well I mean it's been a lifeline because I don't my world is so tiny now I'm not going on tour with my bandmates, so if I didn't See these, they've become sort of like it's quite nice to see them. I go, Oh, hello, yeah. it's Susan, or it's you know, Ricky,
0: or it's Sarah, or it's you know,
1: it's nice Just to connecting see them with every people. Week. Yeah, it's great.
0: Mm. How do you look after your own well being? Just is, well since the pandemic,
1: yeah. Um, I decide, like, like most of the planet, I think, seems <laughs> to have started to become uh, um, somebody who goes for walks a lot. Yeah. So <laughs> initially, I was going for these massive long walks. And I just got really into listening to podcasts, Yeah, um, all different kinds of podcasts, and I just got obsessed with one, and then I'd change, and, and that just, having my head, f- like, nicely full of somebody telling me a story or talking about a thing, mm. as I walked around the parks of Eltham, yeah. where I live, um, and then that's kind of, only of late have I attempted to start um, running. I've just... Oh, tri- brilliant. Which... I'm not very good at, I'm very slow, but I'm going to let myself off and just, I'm just trying to sort of see whether that, you know, because they say exercise is good for mental health. Yeah, so definitely. I think, I think with yeah. running
0: as well, it's such, it is a long process, but it's so lovely when you start to see progress. Yeah. Um, I've kind of ruined my legs with it now though, so I've had to, uh, <laughs> oh I've had to go down to two runs a week because... Oh uh yeah I was running too much I think I got a bit obsessive with it yeah
1: it does seem to, to have that effect on people yeah. I'm, waiting, I'm waiting for that to happen to me Sophie I'm still like it will, oh, it good. Will. I go oh,
0: I don't need to run today brilliant I can have a day off you'll but be if uh, I... laid up with bad knees in no time if I don't, yeah I mean if I don't run I I go I make sure I go for a walk and yeah.
1: also I, I grew vegetables and I've never done that before but I decided in the lockdown I got all kind of self-sufficient you know I was like oh right it's the pandemic you know we're gonna have to grow our own food and live wild you know, yeah <laughs> which is rubbish but I did grow some tomatoes and beans and potatoes and oh
0: that's so, so lovely
1: being a bit more in touch with the garden and yeah being at home I'm never at home because I'm always on tour so it's been in one way quite nice to be at home yeah how often would you be away I would say it it's like three quarters of the year you're away because wow. if you're not gigging you're sort of traveling and flying and moving around different countries state to state in america it's
0: such a big difference for you than your life before yeah. and your life now huge yeah huge. I'm, i mean i miss
1: i'm missing my job what's really changed i think is being away from my regular job has meant i've had to fall back on my own resources yeah i've had loads of time on my own And I've had lots of thinking time and I've started to sort of feel creative in a different way again, Mm. almost getting in touch with things I might want to do Yeah, and I might want to pursue. And so I think, yeah, it's been quite a creative time for me. I know it's been horrific for a lot of people. Yeah, And yeah, it's been hard. I'm not saying it hasn't been hard, but...
0: I think it's done that, hasn't it, for quite a few people in that you've, you've... in some ways, it's made people who were kind of umming and ahhing about a decision to just, just to go for it. When they've got the possibility again, they're just going to go for it. And a lot of people moving countries, moving houses, yeah. you know, seeing family members when they can that they haven't seen in a while. It's just yeah. made, kind of made us all make decisions a little bit quicker. What about mindfulness? Do you, have you ever done mindfulness or what does it mean to you?
1: For me, mindfulness is being in the moment and paying attention Yeah. to things. So it's kind of being present, I suppose. That's yeah. the best way I can. And
0: and are you quite a present person? Would you say
1: I can be? but yeah. I can. I can make myself very busy so that I I'm not present. And I think lockdown has has allowed for a bit more thinking about stuff. Yeah. So I used to meditate years and years and years ago, and it did calm me down. And any time I have done anything like that, you know, meditative stuff, mm. it's really helped. I think for me where that happens the most, and I did it this morning actually because I thought I'm going to be talking to you later, I better get into the right frame of mind. <laughs> yeah. I went to the flower garden in Greenwich Park and just just looked at all the flowers, they were fantastic. So
0: that's that's mindfulness in itself isn't it? Is it? it? Yeah. Is that, am I yeah, doing definitely. the Yeah, Walking around, paying attention to your surroundings and yeah. taking that in. Yeah, Being I think quite still. often we're all doing yeah. it Yeah, and we don't even know.
1: And there's not, I don't know if there's a place for that in schools but I know, um, I think it would be great if there was. I mean, if ch- kids just got to close their eyes for a minute and yeah. sort of listen to their heartbeats or breathing or something. I yeah. don't know. I think I definitely did a little bit of that kind of thing in drama sometimes, not yeah. very often.
0: Yeah, no, I remember. Um, but, but, I mean, there are teachers that do it. I mean, mindfulness and well-being is becoming more and more talked about in, in education. Um, and there's lots out there. Yeah, um, that's brilliant. But yeah, it's something we definitely need to make more of a regular thing. Yeah, bring it into the curriculum.
1: Definitely, That'd be good. Let's do it. You're yeah. in charge. Go and do it, Sophie.
0: <laughs> I'll try my <laughs> hardest. Lisa, thank you so much for coming to talk to me.
1: Oh, it's such a pleasure, Sophie. It's 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 an honour to talk to you, and it's just I'm I really value our connection, and I think, it, you know, it's um makes it makes the world a nicer place. We're to very sort of lucky. Know that I, we are lucky, isn't it? When mm. you have kind of met someone a long long time ago you've both been through a thing even though i was your teacher you were a student and you've you know later on in life you kind of still know that person as an adult or yeah it's
0: brilliant hopefully Hooray. one day that i can be that teacher that somebody con- uh, contacts me and i'm sure you already have been i'm yeah. sure
1: you the people that you've i bet you've changed lots of lives and lots of kids minds yeah that would be lovely so,
0: to think that yeah thank you thank you oh wow she really is an amazing human being I'm so truly thankful for Lisa's investment in me and all of the other people she has inspired are too. We need people like her, so it's really important we tell them how thankful we are for their ongoing encouragement and support. I really enjoyed having the opportunity to reflect on Lisa's approach to me as a child and discover what it was that enabled her to be such an amazing teacher. Not only for my individual growth, but as a way of informing my approach to teaching others. Lisa has some amazing videos on her website alongside available workshops so please check out all that she does at lisaray.com. Thanks for listening and see you next time.